Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's secret golf. It's what I'm looking for. Hi, it's the Secret Golf Podcast, and I'm Diane, actually hiding in Jacksonville in Florida right now as Hurricane Dorian passes by us. So yeah, I mean, the podcast doesn't stop just because there's a hurricane coming. It's obviously been devastating in the Bahamas and we are very prepared here. I guess you have to be very precautionary of all the effects, but I had to leave the beach. I live not far from TPC Sawgrass. And so if you know about golf, you know exactly where that is, not far from the ocean. And I had to come a little bit further inland. So I have this makeshift studio set up at my parents' house right now. And I'm looking out the window. It's probably, I think the worst we're going to get is in a couple of hours. But right now it's pouring rain, a bit of wind, but it's not too bad right now. I was actually going to stay at the beach and I waited to see what my brother, Russell Knox, was going to do. And he said to me that he was leaving yesterday. So I was like, well, I have to be a good daughter. And if one of the children is evacuating, then the other one can't. So yeah, um, hopefully it will all be all right and it'll pass by with very little damage to the area and to everywhere else up the coast of the US. So, well, the no PGA Tour this week and it does get going next week with the start of the 2019-2020 season with a military tribute at the Greenbrier. But the excitement has been around the Corn Ferry Tour and the finals that took place in Indiana last week. Now, these guys obviously fighting for their PGA Tour cards and, oh my gosh, it was incredible to watch, but also very nervy to watch for a lot of people too. We had a couple of guys playing and, well, Rian Gibson had already secured his PGA Tour card after having a great season on the Corn Ferry Tour. And Bronson Burgoon, after making some changes and not really having a great year on the PGA Tour, went back and played in the finals and secured his card that way. So delighted for both of them. 
Rian Gibson on the podcast today and well looking forward to just hearing how happy he is and what's to come over the next couple of months and the next year on the PGA Tour. Rian, how nice. Yeah, feels amazing. You know, set out this year with a, a goal in mind and uh, the plan worked and yeah, happy to be going back. So the, for you, for the Corn Ferry Tour this year, you had your debut win and we talked after that. It was at the BMW Charity Pro-Am and the way it works and Elk and I are going to talk a little bit later on this podcast about, you know, how the points work and the rankings and everything. But once you get a win, you know that you're you're pretty much on your way to securing your PGA Tour card, especially when you got another three top five finishes after that. Yeah, that was kind of the uh, icing on the cake a little bit. Had had a good start to the year with regards to a couple of uh, top 10 finishes, which got me ahead to where if I did have another good result or, or a win per se, um, that would kind of push me over the limit to guarantee my card. So um, that that was obviously sweet. Now, just knowing that I had a good start to the year kind of freed me up. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that allowed myself to have good play, you know, later in the year and pick up, like you said, my main win. So, I mean, at the start, I think anyone that plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, of course, the goal is to get to the PGA Tour. And for you, you know, you, you've been there before, so you knew how it felt. Was that even more of a motivating factor to be like, right, OK, I'm going to get back there and I'm going to make the most of this season? I kind of looked at it both ways, right? I, I've had my card before. I kind of know what to expect, and but I didn't keep it. It's, it's difficult your rookie year. And I also had the thought in the back of my mind that am I good enough to get back? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of, you know, worked really hard this year and in the off season and, um, you know, had some great results. And then and the win, like I said earlier, was kind of icing on the cake. It kind of all culminated in that week to where I played fantastic. And um, so, yeah, happy to be going back. I wasn't sure if I could get back there yeah. or if I was if I was worthy enough, but um, definitely looking forward to uh, my second go around. It, the thing is, it's difficult. And we talk about that fine line all the time. And some people will talk about the fine line between, you know, making a cut, missing a cut on the PGA Tour. But that's not the fine line. The fine line is making that move from the Corn Ferry up to the PGA Tour. Because so much comes down to so little. You know, it could be a one putt that determines whether your next season is going to be on the PGA Tour or you're staying where you are. So there has to be that self-doubt at times. I think you're right on, yeah. Um in, in how I look at it, the, the, there's so much talent on the Corn Ferry, but there's just so little playing opportunity to move yourself up to the PGA Tour. So it's you know it's turning the 30th place into a 25th mm-hmm. on a, on a week you may not be playing great just to accumulate those few extra points that you know at the end of the season you know 25th to 26th a tour card versus back on the Corn Ferry could be you know that like you said that one extra putt on Sunday when you may not be in contention just yeah. to pick up the extra points. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so competitive out there. The talent is so great. And you kind of seeing that now, you know, in the product that the corn is putting out, like it seems every year now you've, you're having three to five winners, you know, come mm-hmm. off the corn ferry and have success, you know, winning on the PGA Tour right away. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that you look at the guys that are playing the Corn Ferry Tour and, you know, like yourself, a lot of guys who have been on the PGA Tour before. So you look at the standard of the field and you've got guys that have competed at that level before, as well as the new wave of the young guns that are coming through as well. No doubt. I mean, you've got these superstar kids coming through, which is great. Um, Like I said, there's only so many spots to play for. So if if one of those kids moves up, it's taking a spot from someone else. And that's why you're kind of seeing, you know, some of the veteran names or household names fall back to play on the Corn Ferry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just just to try to work their way back to the 
to the to the big stage. Yeah, I mean, looking at the young guns that we've seen on the PGA Tour this year, Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, who were there on special exemptions until the end of the season. And the other name that was always in the mix was Victor Hovland. And he'd played in some PGA Tour events and then was on the Corn Ferry Tour for the finals. He secured it. But, you know, what is it about these guys and their games? Um, well, yeah, I've, I've actually gotten to know Victor pretty well. Um, even before he was, you know, out on or out playing the Corn Ferry finals, he uh, played up the road at Oklahoma State. Of course. Uh, about yeah. 40 minutes from my house. And mm-hmm. he joined uh, Oak Tree National, which is where I play in practice. Um, so I've managed to play with him a few times. And then we actually got paired together the first two rounds in Columbus, where he had a really nice finish, which set him up for his card. So, but he's a really nice kid. He's for a 21-year-old, his, his golf game is, has matured unbelievably. Um, mm-hmm. No real weaknesses with his game. And I think these kids now having success, not only in college and the amateur circuit in America, they're kind of fearless. Um, you know, they, they get out of there. They, they know they can compete right away. And um, like I said, no weaknesses with his game. And he's a guy that's going to have a very long career mm-hmm. on the PJ Tour. Um, you know, he's going to win you know, maybe once or twice a year, but he's always going to be in contention. And um, yeah, he's going to be very successful. We have so many people that are part of Secret Golf that will say to us, what is it? Like, what is the difference between guys that are out there? You know, maybe they're weekend golfers and they're on the range all the time and their games are pretty good. Maybe they're working towards being a scratch golfer. Guys that are playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, what's the difference to being on the PGA Tour. For example, when you see Victor Hovland, what would it be that you saw in him right away that you think, right, that, that kid's destined for greatness at the top level? I feel like um, kids these days, you know, with regards to how good these college programs are and the amateur golf circuits that they play, that they're just, they're a lot more mature at a young, mm. as far as their golf game. Um, they've been, they've had experiences playing, you know, US amateurs, um, PJ Tour events on exemptions and their, their game, you know, they've, they, they've worked on their weaknesses and with technology they've been able to access and um, kind of see where they, where they struggle and work on those. So how do, I, how do I fix this or fix that? Now with technology, it's kind of instant feedback. And uh, I think that's definitely helped these kids get a lot better, a lot younger. And having great results and access to big events, I think it's kind of made them fearless. Yeah, what do you think? I was going to ask about the mental mindset of things as well, because that has to be a huge part. And I think that, you know, you're early 30s. And I think that the way that these kids are taught in college, they're taught so much more about the importance of their mindset also. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's more light shone on that these days um, and ways to go about it. And I just think these kids are maturing at a younger age because of that access. I mean, you look at Morikawa and Wolf in the last group there and I think it was a 3M in Minnesota, and yeah. I mean they look like veteran tour players coming down, coming down the stretch. You know, hitting shots when they had to, making putts when they had to. So uh, I, I think it's fantastic. And the other thing is for younger guys too; they're seeing that, and it's that's an inspiration for them. So they're going to look to these guys and be like, "Well, they're a couple of years older than me. I'm still at college, so look what they're doing." And it, it almost gives them that extra motivation too. Yeah, they're definitely like paving the way moving forward for these younger kids coming out of college and um, showing you that it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of look at you look at how those exemptions are awarded, and every year there seems to be three or four kids, you know, that have access to seven, seven tournaments, and in those seven events they have to either win or finish top one twenty-five. And if you look at the numbers in the past, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years, 
very few of those guys have actually done that. You know, mm-hmm. you're looking at like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and those guys. Well, we've had John Rahm. Now I've had Morikawa and Wolf. You know, it's these these kids are just getting better, younger, and when they get these opportunities, they're they're really running ahead with it and and achieving what they need to achieve in, in so little events, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, you're up there and if someone were to say to you, you know, what do you think is been, has been that difference, that step for you that has got you from grinding away every single day to eventually making it onto the PGA Tour, what's been that thing that's made that happen for you? Um, for me personally, like this year was a good year. Like I, I really feel like my game had matured and I didn't really, ha- I worked on those weaknesses um, like I was talking about earlier with Victor, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I just I just feel more well prepared. I've done some good work on my short game and and, and my long game, so um, knowing what to expect as well, you know, for, yeah. for season two um, will be will be huge. You know, as tough as a rookie, you're asking questions like where do I register, where do I fly into, you know, it's kind of stuff you take for granted a little bit, you know, and stuff that I haven't had to worry about being that I've been on the corn ferry for a few years now, so. Um, whole new world out there but I kind of mm-hmm. know what to expect and I, I think that I only uh, bowled well for a, for a better season We see the PGA Tour week in week out we see the glamorous side of it on TV if we're at events covering it how big is the jump really from the Corn Ferry Tour up to the PGA Tour when it comes to everything that goes around playing in a tournament Oh, I mean it's, it's mind boggling um, <laughs> you know access from what's on the range with equipment to people wanting your time to you know just 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 everything is just a million times bigger than than Corn Ferry. Courtesy cars when you show up to airports, you know, yeah. just it's it's fantastic, but it's also it's a lot to take in. But um, you know, very gracious to get back there and, and be able to enjoy some of those perks. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Martin Trainer actually after he played um, the Web Tour Finals last year and then was moving up to the PGA Tour and he had said on the podcast that was one of the biggest things is he's like they give you a car for free every week <laughs> yeah yeah, they, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's fantastic instead of having to go to Avis every week and pick up a rental car on Corn Ferry you just show up and here's the keys to a, you know a fifty hundred thousand dollar brand new car and yeah. it's like Better, better than the car I'm driving home. <laughs> I know. Well, you like your vintage cars. You like your older, your older cars. Do you have like an older pickup truck at home still? I do. Yeah, I've still got my pickup, 1971. Um, kind of a hobby that I've been working on, and um, kind of like Elk's got some that are a little bit older than mine, but I, his pink Cadillac's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing him down there in Houston, you know, bouncing that thing. So uh, yeah, I've always loved the old vintage stuff. Good. Um, well, the thing is, right now we talk about the off season, but your off season is one week. I'm guessing. Are you playing Greenbrier next week? I am. Yeah. So leave for Greenbrier Sunday. Okay. Um, so enjoying enjoying this week at home. It's, it's pretty busy. My parents just got in town. Um, my sister in law is getting married on Saturday. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of stuff going on. That's uh, <laughs> you know, I'd rather be just playing on the couch, not doing much. But you know, uh, like I said, it comes back to time and. Time's so important at this level. It's uh, you need to you need to schedule well and 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 rest well, you know. And um, you know, not only that, get everything organised for the mm-hmm. for the upcoming events we're going to have in the fall. So, are you going to play a full fall season? Are you looking at it as you're going to play as often as you can um, before the end of the actual calendar year? Yeah, I mean, being in the category that we're in, voluntary category, you kind of have to, um, unless you were to say, if I went to Greenbrier and had a super high finish mm-hmm. that may allow me to take some more weeks off but because we're subject to that reshuffle 
you know, um, it's very important to, to play well because um, that will help you set up the new year with regards to events in Florida and California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at this point, planning on playing as much as I can. Um, I should see most of the uh, most of the continental U.S. events. I've got to make sure I get my rest in. And uh, But the game feels good, so I'm really excited to get, to, to get going again. Well, it's like keeping that momentum going. It's almost a good thing that there's not a long off-season for you right now because you just want to keep going and and get as many FedEx Cup points as you can to to get going with the fall season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, the start of the year is, is important. So I, I was fortunate enough to have that at the start of this year on Corn Ferry, which I finished to start the year off. And it just kind of makes you relax a little more, you know, kind of plan a little better and plan weeks off and, you know, just know that you're, you know, either halfway there or, you know, you're on a good way to, to keep in that car's top 125 for the following season. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the reshuffle there. It's one of those things, and I think this is what makes golf a little bit complicated for the fans watching. And, you know, we've seen that the PGA Tour are, are making changes to try and make it easier for the fans to follow along. We saw that with the FedEx Cup playoffs. But explain the reshuffle a little bit, when that happens and what it means for the guys that are moving up from the Corn Ferry to the PGA Tour. Um, I guess the easiest way to explain it is, you take away like the the two number ones, so that they're out of the shuffle. So you got forty eight guys. So effectively, we're playing against each other in our category. So uh, if I make a hundred points and you were to make a hundred and one, when that shuffle comes, you're going to be have a higher priority for that next uh, run of four events. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a tournament within a tournament for us. Okay. Um, we, we're kind of playing against each other, trying to accrue as many points as we can. So after those four events, when that shuffle comes out, we're trying to better our position that we started that that four event run with. So okay. um, in saying that, I looked the other day and, and I have the 25th card of those 48. So um, I'm going to have some more access in these first few events than the guys behind me. So my goal is to at least try to keep that 25th card or obviously improve it because um, mm-hmm. that'll just lead to, lead to more events and more playing opportunities and obviously the chance to make more FedEx Cups points and that obviously help you finish top 125 for the following season yeah it's a good way to think about it like a tournament within a tournament I think that that kind of makes it a little bit easier to understand what's going on yeah it just just kind of comes down to you know that that extra putt on Sunday or you know that extra cut made on Friday afternoon just just to know you're making more points Mm because there's obviously every week guys have the cut and it's just the way it goes and so you just want to accrue as many points as you can even even when you're not per se, on, on your game. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that Elk and I were talking about the other day, just before I let you go, um, and we were talking about the fact that on the PGA Tour now, so many guys travel with a team. And at the, at Bryson DeChambeau comes to mind, first of all. You know, just there's guys that are surrounded by people all the time. What do you think about having, like, your kind of team around you? And is that something that you're maybe going to think about more being on the PGA Tour? Yeah, I think, I think every play is a little bit different when it comes to that. Um, I'm obviously a little older than some some of the younger guys, and um, it's something I've I've always done myself. I've always traveled myself. You know, I've traveled the world playing golf, uh, so I've never really had access to having that team around me. But mm-hmm. once you start playing at this level and, and for this much kind of money, that you'd be kind of naive not to. So uh, I'm sure I'll I'll have my coach out a few times and 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 you know work on short game with some people. And yeah, I mean it, it's something that I'll, I'll look 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 to having and maybe mm-hmm. growing getting the right people around you because it's yeah I mean at this level you want that extra edge completely um, you know because the amount of money like I said we're playing for and the opportunities are just are endless 
So. Exactly. I'm glad that you mentioned the money because after the, being at the Tour Championship and looking at the amount of money that you guys are playing for now, it's um, it's a big deal. It really is. It is. It is. I mean, it's it's obviously the best tour in the world, the most rewarding tour in the world if, if you were to play well. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to nice to play well because, you know, it, a top 10 finish on the Corn Ferry versus the PGA Tour, well, you may as well yeah. add another zero to the end of your check. So, yeah, um, yeah that first, that if I get that first big check, when that hits the account, it's going to be a pretty big smile. That's a nice feeling for sure. Mm. Yep. <laughs> oh, Rian, thank you so much. Huge congratulations on a brilliant season on the Corn Ferry Tour. And we're just excited for what's going to come starting next week on the PGA Tour. Yep, super excited. Uh, Diane, thanks again. And uh, Elk, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. But uh, yeah, super excited. Can't wait. So I am sheltering from the hurricane here in Florida. Elk, you're in Houston. And well, you know all too well the effects of these hurricanes and why you have to be so prepared. I do indeed, Diane. I'm always I'm I'm petrified of hurricanes, and I'm really petrified of a tornado. I've, luckily, I've never been in a tornado, but I have a you know a big generator here at my house that. Uh, can support the house in a hurricane and Houston, just like Floridians know all about it. It was interesting. You told me, uh, and I would like to shed light on this, that I asked you this morning early how bad it was. And you said, well, it's blowing, it's blowing stronger in Scotland today than it is in Jacksonville at the moment. Yes. Can you, can you, uh, can you give us a little info on that, Diane? Yeah, well, so the thing is here, I live at the beach and you know it all too well from years of playing at TBC Sawgrass, but there's the intercoastal waterway. So there's bridges that cross over. So the beach effectively is a bit of an island. And when the winds get sustained to 40 miles per hour, they close the bridges. So, for example, yesterday I was thinking, what am I going to do? And Russell said to me, I'm evacuating and we need to leave the beach. So I came to my parents' house, which is over the intercoastal. And it said that the winds today were going to reach 41 miles per hour. So I made the right choice to come over. But then I checked the weather forecast for Glasgow in Scotland, where I'm going next week. And the winds today... 51 miles per hour. So, oh. You know, um, I've been to Scotland many times and uh, one time I went there for the Dunhill Cup and um, we actually had a wind delay. It was the first time in like the history of the Royal and Ancient. It was like 185 years of, uh, of golf, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, that they had recorded that they actually had a wind delay when I played in the Dunhill Links. And someone's, someone said to me, well, that can't be right. It must have, you, you guys must have been soft back then. I said, no, uh, the 11th hole of the old course, uh, the par three that was, you know, 170 yards over Strath Bunker there that's famously everyone seems to hit a seven or a six or a seven iron. We were hitting drivers, Diane, uh, 50 yards short of the green from 175 Gosh. yards. If you could stand up. And uh, my friend, uh, my, my caddy, Dave Rennick, who's uh, tragically passed away, all of his friends from Pumperston, which is a small town, not too far. You probably know over the Tay Bridge left up in there. Uh, they were all down there. And, of course, they had the whiskey in their pockets. And it was real Scottish feel. But they, yeah. they blew a whistle and said, we can't play. So it must be like that over there today. It was, I think it was 60 miles an hour that day. My gosh. it's And I get that we have to really prepare for the hurricanes here because we've seen the devastation and we saw it with Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas. But... If people in Scotland knew how it was for us in that everyone's on lockdown, there was mandatory evacuations, we have to stay in our houses, everyone's stocking up on water and everything else, people in Scotland <laughs> would be like, why do we have to work today? <laughs> <laughs> they want the day off. 
I've been uh, trying to I've been trying to goad you into to take your Taco Bell ball over to the Players Championship course and and get on number seventeen in this fifty mile an hour crosswind, Diane, yeah. and hit a shot. Who can we get some momentum on this podcast for you to go do that? That would be just epic because I know how much you don't want to lose a, a, a Taco Bell ball. I know. So I'm if t- we could just get you over. <laughs> Me playing 17 on a perfect day with hardly any wind, the chance of me hitting the green is still very minimal. So the chance of me hitting the green today would be virtually impossible. Let's face it, you would take out an old ball today. Is that right? Oh, 100%. I would take out an old ball any day. I would never play a good ball on that hole ever. (laughs) That's such an Australian thing to do for for, uh, when we were little or younger. We didn't want to lose our new ball. So we'd see up an old one on the water shot. Right, too right. Okay, so I just spoke to Rian Gibson. And obviously, as you mentioned, Australians were very, very happy for Ian because he was playing the Corn Ferry Tour. He had four top 10 finishes, one of them being his first win this year. And he finished at number 13 in the season long 25 to graduate to the PGA Tour. Second time that he's had status on the PGA Tour. And it's we're delighted for him. Very proud of Ian Gibson. You know, he's... Uh... He's kind of well known. He's a bit of a sort of a urban legend or a, or a country <laughs> legend out on the Corn Ferry because he's, you know, he, a lot of people don't realize that he holds the Guinness Book of Records for the lowest round ever shot, which was 55 in a tournament. Yeah. And he's kind of been one of these guys. Now he's 33 years old and he's been out on tour. There's a lot of good stories that are coming out of the Corn Ferry. In fact, I think they sort of dominated the uh, towards the end of the uh, FedEx playoffs when we started to see some of the emotion roll out of these guys that have been out there and some of their stories start to unfold. But Rian Gibson is not one to be forgotten either. He's he's 33, Diane, and I, I know you just spoke to him on the podcast, but it's been quite a while. When was the last time that he had full status on the PGA Tour? So 2016, and in 2016, he admitted that, you know, it was all new and it was very overwhelming. He only had one top 25 finish that year and missed like 11 cuts so for him he said you know going back onto the PGA Tour this year he feels so much better prepared and you and I were just talking and we'll talk about it now that mental element of moving from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour it's a big jump. Yeah you know I talked a lot about this when I first came out on the tour and it's the dynamic has flipped, and I'll explain what I mean by flip. When I first came on the tour in 1986, Jack Nicholas was still out there, uh, Lee Trevino, Tom Kite, Hale Irwin, Raymond Floyd, all these people that were just, you know, it was almost like, Diane, the oldest people on the tour were the best players. And, of course, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholas was that. When <clears throat> Years later, when it flipped, when Tiger Woods became one of the youngest players on the, on the PGA Tour, be the best, it it um, encouraged all the younger players to get out there and do what Tiger did. And when I came out, of course, I was expecting nothing. I knew I couldn't beat Jack Nicholas. I knew, Diane, that I could hardly beat anyone when I first went out there and stood on the range. It was so mental, even though I was probably one of the best players that came out of college. Billy Ray Brown and I both won. We won three national championships at Houston. So you can imagine the hype, like Victor Hovland and, mm-hmm. and, and those guys, uh, Matt Wolf. So, you know, I was quite happy with my 36 events that I played in my rookie year, and I won $79,000. And I remember going to Tallahassee with my last event, and I was 119th on the money list, and I was literally petrified because if I made the cut, I was I would probably keep my status. And back then, uh, making the cut, you know, you might have made $3,000 because I made $79,000 for the whole year. So let's say I went into that event at 70. Six thousand dollars at 119th. I made the cut that week, which was a miracle on its own. 
and I finished up holding my spot at one nineteenth, and I won seventy nine thousand dollars, and I was I was absolutely thrilled with myself. <laughs> well, Regan said that he's like, I'm looking forward to uh, to cashing the first big check that I make on the PGA Tour because if you think about it, when he was there on 2016 to even now, the money is more, and the money's just going to keep going up. But um, yeah, Regan, so. All, all, another thing with him, you were talking about the 55, but 2014, he played in the Open Championship, made the cut. He played with Tiger and Jordan. And him and I were talking about all those little things that just kind of like motivate you and spur you on to want to go out there and play on the PGA Tour. And you mentioned Victor Hovland. We talked about him because Rian and him play together quite often in Oklahoma. And I said to Rian, what is it about Victor Hovland that you saw that, you thought that kid's going to be a star. And he said, when it comes to his game, everything. And when it comes to his mental preparation, he's way ahead of where Rian was at that age. Yeah, I think maturity, um, you know, is a big part of everything. And of course, we only can see their swing, right? We only see their swing. We don't see it very long either. Like you you don't see their swing on TV hours Mm -hmm. and hours. But um, maturity is obviously... um, you know, the main thing, the main ingredient, I would say that Jordan Spieth had a, had that kind of maturity when he first came on tour and he had a good game and his swing and everything is, uh, you know, is what it is. But then you had a guy like Justin Thomas, who's taken him about four years, I would say, to catch up to that maturity level. And now it almost, you know, stacking them side by side, you would have to put the nod to Justin Thomas as far as being uh, mentally equivalent and, Certainly, he would be what I would consider physically superior. Jordan, yeah. you know, Jordan's game has been a bit wobbly. So, when you start to look at these young guys, I always, I'm always, um, I'm always looking to Diane when I see a player, and I, I look for the intangibles, the things that I can't see, and because uh, I've seen a million guys hit the ball, as you know, and um, this, that's never, that's never what separates them. Mm-hmm. The other thing Rian said was, and it'll be interesting to get your take on this. That when these guys are at college now, so talking of Hovland, Matt Wolf, Colin Morikawa, the two of them both won on the PGA Tour last year, well, last season. And Rian said one of the big differences is the fact that now when they're at college, they're surrounded by technology. So if they're working on something, they're not relying on feel, they're not relying on how it looks or what their coach sees, but they can actually see the numbers on the likes of TrackMan and then fix it that way. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know me, Diane. I, you can give me a subject, and I'll, I'll, I'd like to debate either side of it. And I, I still think there's a, there's like when you think of Hovland and you think of Wolf, you think of two guys that don't use technology very much. In fact, Matt Wolf told when he won in Minnesota, he said that if he looked at his swing on the camera, he, uh, he wouldn't a believe what he saw, and, yeah. and two, he, he, he doesn't even want to see it. So, I agree with Rian that because my son's in college and they look at the statistics and they look at all the uh, angles of attack and so on. I got to be honest, it's made my son, Sam worse. Um, He was better player. He was better player when he, when he actually, uh, now I say that because they, they start to copy positions and they, they look at a Victor Hovland or they look at someone else, Doug Gim or any of these guys. And they say, well, I'm going to copy that backswing position. And um, they're not mature enough or they haven't, the coaches aren't, equipped enough to um, say, you know what, let's just make what you got really good. And I want to, I want to preface that by saying that I still think it's absolutely available for someone to grow up like I did in Australia, be a really good player, make, 
make the ball do what I want to and come over here and still do well. I just don't – I'm not buying into that you have to have it. I still mm-hmm. think there's room for the average kid to make it. The other thing that I spoke to Rian about that you and I have talked about before is the team element and the fact that when these guys are out on tour – when they're playing the Corn Ferry Tour, and Rian was a perfect example, travelled by himself week after week. So, you know, his wife has a job and she's at home. The only person that he would have with him is his caddy. But I said to him, now that you're stepping up to the PGA Tour and you've been there before, so you know how different it is, are you going to think about having more of a team around you? And he said, honestly, yes, that he was going to have his coach out with him a lot more because at the end of the day, there's so much more money on the line. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I tend to agree with him. I, I, you know, Terry Okura, who works for us at Secret, Secret Golf, who's the producer for all of our videos, came with me on tour for 20 years. He caddied for me sometimes. Sometimes he just hung out with me, and I used him to watch my swing and, and hang out and go to movies. You know, when they say there's a lot more money, I'll give you an example how much more money there is. Um, you know, um, Chase Wright, who is uh, getting married this week to Fuzzy Zella's daughter, I'm going to the wedding up in Louisville. Lisa and I are. Chase Wright finished 154th on the money list this year, went back to Corn Ferry to play the playoffs, the three playoffs, missed that. So he's essentially left with nothing at the end of this year. Do you want to have a guess how much money he made this year to be left with nothing on the PGA Tour, Diane? Take a guess. Is it above 500000 or is it below $500,000? Which, by the way, either way is a lot of money. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just go with it at 500. What what do you think he made to have no status? I mean, I would say way below 500. I would guess like maybe 200. He's at, you can check it exactly for this podcast, but he's over 600,000 oh. to have nothing. So when you say there's a lot of money, I agree with, I agree with you. Oh my gosh. I'm going to look that up right now while we're talking about this, but um Yeah. My goodness, that is absolutely crazy. But what do you think about having that kind of... Obviously, you said that you had Terry out there and that was kind of one person that you could just get... You know, it was almost a distraction. But then when does the team become too big? When the team becomes too big is when you're not playing very well and they're everywhere and you can't get anything done because you're just... Everyone's trying to massage you and get you going. And... At the end of the day, when you walk inside of those ropes, you're going to have to do it yourself anyway. I mean, I looked at Bryson DeChambeau when Sam and I were at the Players' Championship this year with you, and we were standing next to Jason Duffner. Jason Duffner had a uh, a stand bag, and he had a <laughs> caddy from home. And right next to him, we had, what, Bryson had about four or five guys. He, I think he had three different sets of track man set up. He had a squirt bottle for guys that were testing squirting water on the ball. He had a guy that wiped the club. I mean, to me you know what, I don't, I don't want any of that. And when you start to think about who's the best player, what did they do? That's what I like to do. And you think automatically you think of Tiger Woods, or I do, and Tiger doesn't have anyone. I mean, yeah, he had some coaches that stood behind him for years and years. But you know what, let's face it, when he was coming out of college, he was always going to amass the record that he had. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just you know, through boredom or, or he wanted a tweaky swing and he went through a bunch of coaches. But he won the Masters this year and he doesn't have anyone standing with him on the driving range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase won $571,000 this year, just over yep. that. And I think so. there's a little bit more he might have tacked on on the Corn Ferry to get him over 600. But still, mm-hmm. Diane, that's an enormous amount of money. When I won the Players' Championship in 1997, I think my check was 648. 
and uh, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, and now it's almost two million. So yeah, that's and good numbers. That really is, especially with the weather <laughs> been coming up this week. So the other thing I want to talk about, and only because I know that you will explain this in such a good way, I'm not saying that Rian didn't, but we were talking about the reshuffle. So the guys moving up from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour, there was the 25 from the season-long money list, and then there was the 25 from the three finals events. So they do a reshuffle after four events, and I know you'll explain this in a really good way. Well, I'm going to try. So <clears throat> when you uh, when you keep your card on the PGA Tour, you 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 finish in the 125 uh, money winners or the 125 FedEx Cup points. The tour then adds 50 new guys to that package. 25, as you just said, graduated from the year long of the Corn Ferry, and then they played three playoff events. The combination of that, <clears throat> those dollars won in that, graduates another 25. So there's 50 guys. So as those new 50 start to thread their way onto the tour, and when I, when I mean thread their way, they're not automatically guaranteed anything, Diane, because as you know, when, when, when next week when they start the tour again and they play at uh, West Virginia and there's 140 guys available, well, not all those guys from the graduation class of Corn Ferry are going to get in. So the way they do it on the tour is, let's say, Rian Gibson, you told me his number is 25? Yeah, so he's right in the middle. Right in the middle. When the 50th guy of the graduating class has played his fourth event on the tour, they have their own separate money list and they reshuffle. So let's say the number one guy from the Corn Ferry Tour didn't make a cent in his four, and the 50th guy won all the money, they flip-flop, they, they, they reshuffle, and they start over. So it's a, it's a very um, strategic thing these kids have to go through. So, for example, they know that by the time the 50th guy gets in his fourth event, they better have played well because they are reshuffling with or without you. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much guaranteed nothing when you get the, get your card, Diane. And the only solace you have out there is that everyone had to go through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest way to, to start your career when you think of it as all the uh, pampering you get in other sports being a rookie. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that the two, so Rian had said that it's almost like they're playing a tournament within a tournament. So the guys from the Corn Ferry Tour are competing against each other, not just in the overall PGA tournament with everyone else, but because they need to get these numbers as high as possible before the reshuffle. But the two guys that finished at number one, are they safe? So the guy that finished at the top of the season long 25 and the guy that finished at the top of the finals 25, are they safe or are they still part of it? They're not safe. They're still playing. They're still in it. They're still in the same deal. So, um, yeah, they they all have to, they all have to go through the same, same process. So, Um, the reason that Rian finished um, 13th, or now he's yep. ranked 25th, is because the number one player who finished the year-long competition, he's ranked number one. So he actually slots in, if you will, behind number 125 on the tour. So he's number 126. Mm-hmm. The guy who finished first in, the, in those three events of the Corn Ferry, he becomes 127, and so on, all the way down. Mm-hmm. That's why Rian is at 25th. Mm-hmm. So he's slotted right in the middle. And as you said, a lot of these guys, they're going to go out, Diane, they're going to go play as much golf as they can in the fall. And this, and this, by the way, was designed 
by the tour to get all these young guys playing as much as possible to help the sponsors, sell more dollars, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's an exhausting schedule, <clears throat> but they have no choice. They just, they just went through a year-long process of trying to graduate for the tour. They don't get any time off, and now they're asked to perform at probably the highest level that they're going to have to perform at to, yeah. to advance. Well, I talk about Russell, obviously, because he's my brother, and I talk to him about it, so I get a different perspective. But talking about the fall season, so last year Russell had won in Europe, and he had done well in quite a few events, so he was playing in the European Tours Race to Dubai, which happens at the end of the year, so obviously the same time as the PGA Tour fall schedule. So Russell didn't play in a lot of fall events, and he started January, the Sony Open, with one FedEx Cup point. And when I talked to him, he only made it to the Northern Trust in the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. And I said to him, how would you sum it up? Is it a disappointing season? And he was like, well, my game has not really been because from January until the Northern Trust, he was like, I haven't played badly. I just started on the back foot so far behind because I hadn't played in the fall events and only had one FedEx Cup point in January. Yeah, it's it's true. It's also 100% mental because... I used to think the same way as Russell did. You go out there and you decide to take a nice break between now and Christmas and you go out there in January and you're, you're like 97th on the money list before you even start. And we would ask ourselves, well, what about Tiger? He didn't play this much or Jack Nicklaus didn't play. Are you worried about them keeping their card? And we go, oh, of course not. They're so good. <clears throat> so it's, it becomes a mental thing. It's just another thing mm-hmm. that you've got to keep your eye on when you're out there. Yeah, gosh, so much. If you were to give Rian one bit of advice right now, and I said to him, he was talking about you, and he was like, I'm sure I'm going to talk to Elk very soon, so he's looking forward to that. But if you were to give him like one bit of advice as he's going to go and play at the Greenbrier next week, what would it be? You know, he's had a great season. He um, He's right with him thinking, like he doesn't have to beat all these tour stars. He just has to beat the top 50 of the guys that graduate of his graduating class to be able to advance himself onto to keep going in a, in a very reasonable spot. My advice to him is don't change. <clears throat> I try to tell these guys all the time. I said, the moment you start changing and you start, you thinking to upgrade, we've been on this podcast with Bronson Bagoon, who said he made a terrible mistake this year by trying to change his swing. When you change Diane, you are obviously making a change to try to get better, but you take so many steps backwards to the guys that are so good already. Like if I've been doing the same thing for 30 years, like I have, and you're going to make the quick change, you can't beat me. It's just, you can't do it. And um, don't change. Let's take what we got. Let's see if we can improve our putting, our short game. And let's see what, uh, let's see what it comes out of it. Okay, good. And Rian has that um, Australian demeanour, which is very similar to you in that he's just like, he's so chill. He's done it before, like he's been there before. So I can't see him changing anything right now. I feel like the momentum that he's taken going into the PGA Tour season, he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He's, he's had a, <clears throat> a lonely road. Um, as you said, he likes to travel by himself and Think about that when your your wife's away working and you're mm-hmm. traveling by yourself for all these years and good for him to come back and do it, you know, literally have to do it over the course of a year, which is, you know, that's, that's good on him. And, um, you know, it's, 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 look, he, he, he just beat, you know, 
the Corn Ferry guys. Now he has to go and play against a bunch of guys that really know how to play. That's what I tell all these other guys that, that are trying to come out and say, hey, you just beat the Corn Ferry guys. Now you now you get to play against uh, Brooks <laughs> Kepka and, yeah. and the rest of them. So <laughs> the just, just relax. <laughs> Keep your head down. Play Keep your yourself game. in. Get plenty of sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, be energetic when you get there and play. Just play. Okay. Right, Elk, thank you very much. That was great. Uh, really interesting. And I love to hear the breakdown of the reshuffle and stuff because that's stuff that people don't really talk about and that can leave a lot of people confused. It's set up very difficult for the, the young guys that are coming on. Yeah. But as I said, everyone has to do it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go and uh, hide from this rain still, stay inside for a little bit longer. Are you going to go get your clubs and go to 17? I can't right now. I can't get over the bridge. I can't get back over the bridge. That's a good excuse for you. (laughs) That's a really good excuse. I can't get to the island in more ways than one. (laughs) Maybe I'll go and do one outside in the garden. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Diane. Thank you very much for listening and subscribing to the Secret Golf Podcast. It's available on iTunes, on Spotify and on all other podcast apps. So the PGA Tour season gets underway next week already. I'm actually happy because I miss it and I always feel like I don't really know what to do when we don't have that kind of golf going on. But yeah, we will be previewing that next week. We're going to have a big field of the Secret Golfers and yeah, we'll catch up with you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.